Um, hi, Alan. Obviously, we're here to record the first of what will be our Inometrics UK video series to provide some content to people with regards to who we are first and foremost, and then delivering value to people. So, Alan, great to have you. It'd be great to hear a little bit about you, Inometrics, um, and your story. Oh, listen, Sir, thank you so much for, for doing this and setting this up. Delighted to be here. And uh, if we can add value and give some, some value across to our listeners here, then, then great. We've done it. Um, I'm Alan Miller. I'm the CEO and founder of Inometrics UK Limited. I'm also the managing director of Inometrics International. So I've been involved in Inometrics for over 20 years now. And it's, I'm really blessed because I get to, when pre-COVID, I was traveling the world, um, certifying people on our tools and uh, methodologies and doing all sorts of stuff, meeting great people. And I miss that. I miss that daily. Doing Zoom like this has become this a new normal. <laughs> so this is our world at the moment. But hopefully when it starts to open up again, we get into this new normal, then great. So basically, Inometrics is a profile company deals with methodologies for those profiles for individuals or corporations. And we can get into some of the detail on that as we, as we go through the progressive um, podcast or Zoom cast that we do here um, and then go from there. But we've been changing people's lives all over the world for years. And those of you who are in the Animetrics family, I'll understand exactly what that means. Those of you who have not been able to get in contact with us and it's done through this, Welcome. Um, we're, we're open to everybody and anybody that wants to add value to their life and their organisations. And we can tell you more about that on a sort of face-to-face. So so great to be here, Seven. Thank you again for, for setting this up. Brilliant, Grant. I see behind you've got two, two lovely, um, for those who are watching on YouTube, got lovely two banners across. And I see the what, the why, and the how. Um, could you just explain a little bit about that? I think people will be drawn to... <laughs> that and understanding with the intrigue of what that is uh, well listen we, we, we call it the, for shortness and you know easiness and simplicity our profiles deal with behavior they deal with values in terms of how you're driven and motivated and how you think you make decisions but we actually simplify that and we call it the what the why and the how um the how is how you behave in terms of behaviors we use a particular profile called disc and that measures your natural and adaptive behavior we also have a values, which is the why, why you're driven, why you're motivated, why you're driven out of bed in the morning. Um, these values have been have been so um, key to individuals and organizations throughout the world. Um, so that's the why. So the how and the why. The what is your thinking dimensions, how you think and make decisions. We can, we've got a report that actually measures that. Could you believe it? Um, your subconscious thinking. So how you think and make decisions. The synergy between the three of those things it forms a profile called an advanced insight. So that, that's, what's, that's what that's saying behind me here. Um, so the what, the why, and the how of an individual's talent, um, you know, their strengths, what they bring in terms of them as an individual to the company and um, as a person. So we can dive quite deep into um, what, those, what those areas are. And it's almost like a, a self-actualization, Siv. You know, you've got this, who am I? And where am I within this model that's called DISC or values or attribute index, as we call it in the what? And, and how can I appreciate other people's profile? Very, very important this for us where if I understand me more and I can appreciate why other people may be different, 
that's a great end in terms of how you can communicate different, um, what drives you different, how you, other people can be different from you in terms of motivators. So how can you recognize those areas and change your dialogue with those people to make your communication go from a great to phenomenal within business? And sometimes we do that through just a self-actualization on, listen, I know you know you, but there's two major things that can come out of this that we had a study where we did um, it was called the Genius Study, by the way, where we did 197,000 people across 23 countries, and we did some really top um, leaders within the industry, and we wanted to answer a question to say, what makes other people successful than you? I mean, what makes people successful better than anybody else? What's this dynamic that can make your success? And get a load of this. I know that your success is different from my success and that person's success. I get all that. But what's the differentiator here? And with a whole bunch of research done, two major things come out of that where you've got, number one, people who are more successful are very self-aware. The self-awareness is high. And I know you're saying to yourself, several, I'm self-aware, Alan, I get that. But there's a level of self-awareness that you may not be aware of in terms of until you look at it. But the second bit is more important is this authenticity. How authentic are you to your self-awareness and your talents in order to make that work in your world? So these are the two main things that bring that, what, the why, and the how to life on an individual basis, you know? Absolutely. I think the first time um, I came across Inometrics and, and we spoke, and the more I got to understand everything that Inometrics does and stands for, but the value it brings, the things that jump out to me now more than ever with the level of authenticity and awareness you have. I think you're the first person to admit both personally and professionally where you flourish and sure. also where your blind spots and challenges at times can be. And I think that was a big thing for me. Yeah. As you say, um, I would always, I always like to think I was very self-aware, but I think the layers that added onto that once I really dive deep into me first but then to understand and, as you say, more importantly, appreciate others. Oh, um, all of a sudden, the people who I once saw as frustrating in my life mm. all became the superpowers in my life. Mm. And I really was able to understand, appreciate, and actually learn from the skills that they bring sure. to enhance who I am, as opposed to feeling like they hold me back. And I think we'll all have them people, whether it be personally or professionally, that initially can frustrate us, yep. but soon we learn to make them our best friends. And it, and it really struck me, um, and it'd be great to get your views on this, that the big thing when I came into the Inometrics family was a real shift from, I think, what we were all told about how important IQ is, but to really understand how important EQ is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, listen, this self-awareness situation, and it seems simplistic, right? I mean, it, and it is. You know, people say, yeah, I'm self-aware, you know. Um, there's an old hero of mine way back. I, I was a martial artist back in the day, you know. I used to do a lot of martial arts. And Bruce Lee was one of my, one of, he still is one of my heroes, right? Even back in the 70s, he was talking about people being different. He was talking about, listen, always be yourself and search the truth within yourself, you know. And there was a lot of lessons involved in that. That's in a metrics when I came across this 20 years ago, it resonated so clearly for me because of my background. Um, and a lot of people who have got successful jobs, CEOs, directors, in particular, these guys at the top level, um, you know, their self-awareness was very, very high. 
But what wasn't synergized with that was the authenticity. They weren't being authentic in their world to what they were doing um, at the time, which affected many, many people. And when they started recognizing those things and getting to grips with that, then it just completely took off in a different world, a different level for them. Um, and everybody's different. You know, you've got this individual level where, listen, my success is defined by me just having X or I just want to get to Y. And that's great. That's your mechanism in terms of who I am and what I want to do. Everybody's got different spectrums. And within corporate businesses, within individual personal developments, you'll have a, a, a number of different things in there that can constitute towards you being um, fulfillment is everything. Being happy is no, it doesn't work sometimes just being happy. You've got to have this fulfillment in terms of a purpose and a drive of some sort of where you want to go. And everybody's got different behaviors of how you do that. And I guess, you know, we can probably talk about some behaviors today as well, but everybody's wired differently in terms of how they would go about that and achieving that. But it's, uh, it's very, very prevalent, what you said, where this awakening in terms of what can I contribute? Where does my talents lie? We talk about talents and non-talents, by the way, right? And it's not a case of um, semantics there. We're looking at real talents and non Some things I'm not talented in. And what I want you to do is be authentic to that to say, if I don't need to use those non-talents to be successful, then discard them. I don't need to use them. Well, that's the key. And rather than use the redundant talents to try and make it a bit more to say, well, if I really am bad at that area, why am I trying to be better if it doesn't mean anything to my work or my life? Do you get the idea? So that's something that comes into the, the authenticity, you know, and that's a key driver with regards to the self-awareness. Absolutely. I know we'd love to talk about and break it down for everyone with regards to behavior today, but you said something there that I don't want to miss. And the first time I heard you speak about it, it was so profound to me. And it's something that I now speak to people about as well. Because I think we always assess what do I have in sure. terms of, oh, what talents do I have? Why is it not working? What people don't have an awareness of at times is a redundant talent. And, the, and yeah. could you just speak into that a little bit? Because the first time I heard you speak about that was really eye-opening. And I think I saw talent in a very different light. Well, oh, thank you, sir. And I'm glad that you took, took that because it, it resonated with me. It's the same way way back when I first got to know. But a redundant talent could be, uh, I'll give you a true story. I was coaching a CEO and um, he'd done his profile with me. I did some feedback and he called me up saying, Alan, what the hell is this report saying? It says that, you know, I'm really bad at common sense um, and I've got a really low um, self-esteem or self-awareness about me, I mean, I'm a CEO, I'm a, I'm a director of a business, what, what the hell does that mean? And I says, hang fire, let me come in and see you, we'll have a chat. So with a coffee and we explain some of the things to say, like, listen, in terms of common sense, you're really not, there's no talent there. Uh, give me an example when you've used common sense approach to solve problems in your business. You don't do it that way. What you do, because I've seen you in action, is you'll use your board of directors and you'll ask them, there's a problem, let's look at solving this in a really scientific or a, or a structured way and help you move forward. On a common sense approach, you've not got it. You can't see that way. So you use it another way and it works brilliantly. Um, and in terms of your uh, you know, self-esteem, you're driven um, to appreciate yourself 
every day, even more. You're, you're probably your worst critic of you with regards to saying, I can do much better than this. Even though you're phenomenally successful and people are saying, I wish I had just an ounce of the talent you've got there, you're never happy with that. So that's what it's telling you. But that's what's driving you sometimes in order to connect with making you, for yourself, a better person. Even, even though you don't need it sometimes, you know? So you should celebrate success more. You should tell, tell yourself, look, this is a great achievement. Rather than say, the first thing I'll say to him is I might congratulate him on something. And the first thing you'll think about is, I could do better. Do you get the idea? So some of that appreciation on the talents and non-talents, understand where your non-talents are. And if you need them for your life, of course, Let's do something about it because we're going to make some good there. And it will take a lot of effort. I'll take a lot of things in there. But when it's a non-talent that you don't need for anything to do with your life or your work, then please leave it alone. Concentrate on the beautiful things you have there on the talents that make because it's easier to be getting a talent up than as a non-talent up. Let's take a sporting analogy. If I'm good at a particular sport, for me to get better in that sport, it's a little bit easier than something that I'm really it's alien to me. I'm really, I'm not good at that sport. I really suck at it. It's going to take me a longer period of time to get that up to any standard that it's never going to be the standard I want. So you're looking at that approach very common sense wise in terms of doing that. But you know what I'm saying? So that, so that, that comes into the non-talents and talents. Um, seven. That's, that's abundant in all of the report when we look at, um, in the attribute index report when we talk about that, there's 77 um, soft skills that we measure for an individual within the talent of um, that job or that industry or them. And we can look at those 77 talents and say, you're only going to use 20 or 30 or 50. Let's use them really well and let's get them up because you're really good at them and the job really wants that. If the job wants two of these other talents here that are, non are redundant or non-talents, we can bring that in because we really want you to increase that level but the skill will go just up a bit. The rest of the stuff will take care of it anyway. So that's what we mean by talents and non-talents on that scale. You've also got that in behaviours. You've also got it in values. So it goes straight through that advanced insight that we've got there that once you recognise what that is, superb. Absolutely superb. Absolutely. And I think it was really interesting when I first did the profile. Um, I remember I had 74 or 77 pages worth of information and the first thing that I took away and thought for myself is, wow, I've actually got a book of me almost. And any time that yeah. I wanted to know me or someone else, it was almost like, here you are. This is me in my entirety mm -hmm. of the gifts I really have and areas of which I'd love to collaborate. And I think as right. we segue into the behaviors, collaboration is something that I've noticed that is probably not always the first thing on everybody's mind, yeah. given how yeah, people yeah. can be, but actually how important it is and how important a job the inner metrics do of highlighting them. Because as you say, it's about flourishing and allowing someone to excel in where their gifts lie and allowing mm -hmm. the person next to you to flourish in where their gifts lie. And together, we kind of really form, the way I look at the um, disc assessment as you come in is the fantastic four, almost, with regards to behavior. <laughs> of being able to yeah. align and understand yourself and others. So you're aligning yourself with people around you excel and you're covering all bases. 
Almost. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. And by the way, the Fantastic Four is actually the Fantastic Eight in Mimimetrics because we've got a top and bottom. Absolutely. Which is great. And and listen, I hear what you're saying in terms of the, the talent situation and where you are. It's the word appreciate that I used earlier. That's really, really important. I may not agree with that individual, but I can appreciate why he does it. I can appreciate why they do it. You know, and that is the first way of getting this barrier of communication. It's always going to be there. You know, yeah. You, there's probably people who, who's watching this video here where they've been in a room and they can't put their finger on it, but they just don't go on with that person in the room. You know, they're just why that person really annoys me with certain things, and it could be a values thing, it could be a behavioural thing. You know, when you're aware of how this structure works, when you get the appreciation of why they're doing that then you change your communication to, a to incorporate that and you'll be amazed at the wave you get back. And then guess what? The two of you actually start communicating. Most people in workplaces want to be understood by the boss. That's one of the things that's, you know, it's a big thing in business. Just let my boss understand who I am and be understood in terms of what I can bring to the business and be valued as a member of staff. If you could do that in all businesses, it would be great because, you know, people would be, you know, they don't have to be told to work late. They don't have to go over the, you know, the, the odds in terms of going out there for you without being asked. If you treat people and value people within the business, they'll do it anyway. Um, and it's hard to get that balance, of course. But when you start looking at individuals, no collectively, um, because everybody's different and you start looking at how the wee, new, the wee tweaks and nuances about getting that in there, then the rewards are enormous, absolutely enormous, as, as you can appreciate. So you've been doing this um, with your own business as well. So, so it's great. But, yeah, good stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. I think what you said there was really powerful. But everyone wants to be seen and heard and yeah. understood and feel like they can be themselves. Exactly. And I think one of the biggest and most rewarding things has been when I've been able to take someone through the process and you hear the words, um, it's the first time I really feel understood. Yeah. Such a profound that's, that's, thing. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and, and I've had that many, many times, even doing feedbacks. And we do group feedbacks as well. We can do large feedbacks to corporates or individual feedbacks or more specific stuff in terms of what it is for development. So, And there's a lot of that comes through, you know. And a lot of people take the report and give it to their significant other, their partner, their wife, their husband, and say, this is, this is me. And they read it and go, well, yeah, I know. And you know when you do this, you really annoy me. So you got all of this sort of stuff happening within relationships and personal-wise within and also companies. So definitely, yeah. Absolutely, perfect. So if let's um, just segue across into this. And I think this is a really nice slide for us to start off on, actually. Um, for those who are listening to the podcast on YouTube, the slide reads, um, it's a new world out there or a new normal. With new playing fields, rules and players, your choice is either to learn this new game or continue to be the very best player in a game that is no longer being played. Now, the first time you showed me this quote, um, I actually had to read it twice for it to really resonate and land with me. Um, and understand that we have to evolve. And as people, we're always forever evolving. And whether it's been forced or needed even, people have had to adapt and evolve to the new world around them that has been created um, through pandemics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and you mentioned earlier about a new world. It'd be really interesting to get your take on what that new world looks like, the um, 
adaptations you've seen and what you think you'll continue to see? Uh, yeah, listen, Seb, I've, I've used this particular slide in training a few years ago. Um, so it's pre-COVID, but it's so poignant about COVID now within the pandemic. Um, and it's all it's really saying is that some people, if, there's, if the change mechanism doesn't work, if there's no, if there's no any um, openness to change, then you can be a great manager, a great leader, but the, the game you're playing has no longer been played anymore. So you can be this great leader and manager and, and play the game that you know, but you're actually been left behind with the stuff that's getting done now. So change is everything. Um, nothing stays the same. It doesn't matter what company you're in or what world you're in or what personal situation you're in. So it's about embracing that change and learning the new rules with regards to, okay, what does this mean for us now? And COVID was a perfect example of that. Um, i got to tell you that behaviourally, um, the pandemic caused so many different things to, you know, but we're looking at the, the news every day about mental health. We're looking at the news every day about the jobs have changed dramatically because people are working from the home rather than the office. That does something behaviourally to people that if you don't know about behaviours, it can be quite catastrophic in terms of stress levels. Um, you know, um, it can cause all sorts of performance levels in your behaviour because you don't know how to deal with it. Let me give you an example. When you then put someone isolating or isolation that they've got in the disc model, when you look at this big yellow thing called the interactive eye, if I've got a high eye and I'm suddenly isolated, what do you think that's going to do to me? It's going to have repercussions if it's prolonged, which has been a year, and that's that's massive for the eye to then say, I can't socialise. I can't, um, you know, all the things that I love doing is contactability and getting things done through people. Other than screens like this, there is no touching, hugging, um, meeting people, um, having this initial energy feedback. It's, it's gone. Um, and sometimes the telephone, sometimes the Zoom is not enough for the high eyes. So they've had to then adapt profoundly in the last year on the new world, you know. The high Ds, the red one at the very, be the very beginning, they're driven by getting things done in an expedient way, that, you know, task. They're very, very good at starting things, um, great ideas, getting things done. Well, they're not driving much <laughs> because they've been put in this world of you're here. This is what I need you to do and then do that and then we'll catch up with you at the end of the week. So suddenly when they're driving, they can't drive the car fast anymore. They're, 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 they're almost in a bicycle because they're restricted in what they're doing. So that's got catastrophic effects in terms of what the behavior is on the new world. The S's and C's, and we can, we can talk about this, I guess, in detail, but they've learned to cope with it a little bit better because behaviorally they can cope with it. But it doesn't mean to say it's not causing some stress. Of course it does. But they, they cope with it better in terms of the accommodation, you know, the toleration in terms of what that means for them. So different behaviors in terms of the desk in the new world, in terms of the new normal, has caused many, many different challenges for people over the past year. And what you're going to find people getting back to work is that they've suddenly been in isolation, been in their home, um, and get a load of this. I've got to tell you this story because I've seen it in the news um, and I've seen it in reports where in the first couple of months, people were working from home and it was, this is amazing. I can see the kids. Um, I can work. My husband's there and I can do the housework. It's all. 
after two months, it was like, get me out of here. I need my space. I want to get back to work for a rest. All of this sort of stuff. So this new normal, people are actually wanting this, you know, separate situation of there's my work because some people when they're in the house all the time if they're not disciplined and I've never done that before it can seamlessly go into things where I'm doing my own life as well as my work life and it, I don't know that I don't know what the separation is you know I can't get my downtime I can't turn off and that in itself can be pressured it can be stressful so all of these things in the environment there's only two things that change behavior self the environment and people in that environment that's what changes behavior nothing else and you will then choose what behavior you will pick in order to get through that to the next area and this has been affected amazingly um, by covid by COVID-19, Corona, and all the stuff that's going on now. Hopefully, there's a little bit of a light in the tunnel right now with regards to the vaccines being a game changer. Hopefully, when things are starting to open up again and the economic pandemic is going to then hopefully recover um, and people get back to whatever we're going to get back to in the future um, and go from there. But do you see what I mean in terms of the parallels from that? Absolutely. I think <clears throat> the best thing for me is having experience, and not just in theory, but in practice. And I know there may be people listening and thinking they understand in theory but how does it work in practice and funnily enough i've had like as soon as you were talking about each different example different clients family members friends etc that could step in i mean yeah I had, a, I had someone who when we go on to the disc as a 99 interactive so so off off the chart loves people loves to be around people energized by people yeah and she had real internal turmoil by the lack of engagement with others and just as things have opened up here in the last week, just as we're allowed to walk around, the difference in just her energy, her mood, yeah. how she's seeing the world, even just her outlook on everyday life, because that spring in the step is back. It's amazing. Then, it's instant. There's an instant gratification in terms of what it is. You need it. They crave absolutely. It. Yeah, definitely. And then the interesting thing with, with the high D you mentioned, with that driver, as that's come down, I've had um, a sales team, a great brand, growing brand, who they rely on their products being in front of people. Yeah. And the long pipeline has been a frustration. And, and it's funny, as you were saying it, I, I had a conversation with him where he said, usually I get the product, I jump in the car and I'll drive down and put it in front of them. That's just not an option anymore. And it's amazing that, what you yeah, say. Yeah. Well, that's a amazing, yeah, that's amazing stories. Yeah. And, that, and these are real stories. You know, so this is, Absolutely. This is how people's behavior can be affected. The environment changes and people in that environment changes. That's the only two things that can change behavior. Absolutely. And funny enough, this, this next slide that we've just gone on to now is just discussing how the work environment has also changed yep. and jobs and careers have changed. And we'll speak about it more. But again, for those who aren't watching, just discusses how there's been a transition from managing to leading in all roles. There's been the tangible has gone to the intangible. And I think that's where the real gift comes in for what we're able to do for people and organizations. Yeah. And there's been customer service in every role now. Oh, yeah, and in different ways. I mean, if you look at um, there's some industries really absolutely catastrophically emerged from this catastrophe and that like Amazon, you know, retailers and food grocery retailers, you know, sanitizer corporations who make... All the products like that, PPE businesses, 
I mean, it's never been better, but there's other businesses like the, the hospitality trade, the retail trade, has suffered greatly because of it. So you've got these different customer service roles that will play a part on how you then engage and be engaged. And, and I've got to say, the customer service areas, if it wasn't increased, then the, 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 the company would suffer greatly. And it's always been there, but it's been even more heightened in the last 12 months because of the coronavirus and the pandemic. Um, the tangible, intangible, it's funny we put that up there because in our metrics, we, we always said that we make the intangible tangible. <laughs> That's the thing we always used to say because um, we measure um, humans. We measure human capital. It's a terrible cold word that we measure talent within um, people, you know, and we make sense of what that is in a way that they can put into their life, either on a personal basis or on a career basis. That's what that. That's what we mean by that in terms of the tangible and intangible, you know. And the key thing is, we're looking just to measure, as it goes back to the verbiage we use, everyone's individual genius, and that's the other thing Absolutely. that was a huge thing. It wasn't about I know when people take profiles or assessments, there can be the, the kind of worry and anxiety around it. But actually, the biggest thing I learned and understood is that every profile is a phenomenal profile as long as people are aware and authentic. That, that was the key. And yeah. when people were them things, yep. the way that we were able to, I mean, personally speaking, just my sister, um, who initially thought she wanted to, I guess, be or behave differently, or felt like a different behavioral style was yeah. more appealing. When we were able to show her and allow her to be aware and increase the appreciation, understanding she felt herself like she was able to be authentic, and her confidence has gone through the roof, how she views herself, her performance at work has gone through the roof. And all wow. of a sudden, from That's thinking crazy. as if she's always playing catch-up, people are coming up to her as if she's a role model now. And That's it can cool. be such a shift. For people, and it's so powerful. Oh, that's great, Sam. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that, that, that one. And and these are, these are I, I don't want to generalise it, but these are typical stories Absolutely. on the metrics world. When you start doing this stuff and start living it, it's quite amazing what happens to the individual and also the people around that individual because there's a different appreciation factor, you know, um, and that kicks in on, on everything. Um, but listen, does it take effort? Yeah. Does it take stuff to learn and, and realize what it is? Of course. But once you get that, then the rewards are, are easy, you know, from there. Absolutely. And, and into that as well, I think the conversation I always like to have with people is it's funny how long when we're in school and learning and educating that we spend time learning English, math, science, but how long do we spend <laughs> learning about ourselves and who we are in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that actually this, this is a really powerful slide. And as we segue into the behaviors, yeah. really captures everything about metrics and about people individually. And it reads, how can you make an impact? Think about this. Become relentlessly focused on what it is you do that adds value. And I think that's a huge thing because everyone adds value in their own way. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get this from, uh, I probably stole this from the 80s, um, where it was, you know, remember the old 80-20? Yes, yeah. 80% of what you do doesn't really matter. 20% is where it's at. So what I really mean by this, become relentlessly focused on what you do that adds value, is, uh, is probably just that 20%. 
if you understand what you do as value, find out that 20%, do the roadmap back, and just spend time on that, and you'll, you'll see the successes. The, the, the thing is with human beings is that the 80% that is doing through interaction, doing things that you really shouldn't do but you enjoy, that's part of life. You know, your life's going to be like that. But it's understand that 20%. Once you get that, and there's a roadmap to that, there's a way we do this in the training where if I look at the like a customer's journey, for example, what's the customer's journey in an organization? And I look at all the key points that I call moments of truth. And this is stuff that I've done for years, right? And it's, it's Tom Peters was a guy that I used to enjoy all of his stuff. I'll be back in the, I'm old, Sev. I'm, I'm really old now. So in the 70s and 80s, I was doing training like this. It stuck with me. And the inner metrics brings this to life in terms of it cuts right through the middle of this with regards to here's, a, here's what it is. Here's where the, the value in you and what you're doing is going to make a difference. It's making a difference to them as well as, as, well as other people. Um, and the biggest thing in terms of leadership um, is that if you can be servient leadership, servient leadership for me is the highest level because you're empowering other people to become leaders in their own right. That's for me. That, that, and that's a personal basis. There's other stuff that I've done in leadership with situational leadership, um, John Adair's free action center leadership, all of that, and the great stuff. But the servant leadership for me is the highest level because you're empowering others to take charge of themselves and others around them. That's got to be the most powerful, isn't it? And the most rewarding because to let go of those, those constraints as a leader can be very dangerous for the business if it's somebody who's really quite new. So yeah, it takes a lot of courage to do that. But this adding value and becoming relentlessly focused on what adds the value, this is a massive thing here, massive within business and within individual performance. Absolutely. I think with regards to both, I think I'm sure you've been asked many more times than I have to date about, do you really think everyone can be successful? Do you really think that everyone can perform world-class at a world-class level? Can everyone have that life, that success? And I think the best thing that we are able to do is firstly look at what success looks like for an individual. Exactly. But then as you say, I genuinely do believe, and it's not just from the optimistic side, it's from understanding this exact point, that if someone is self-aware and authentic and align their environment to who they are and the people around them, yeah. absolutely everyone can excel and succeed because yeah. their individual talent and being focused relentlessly on that individual talent will add the value that opens doors of fulfillment for them and success in their life, or whatever success really looks like for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's almost something you, when you talk to some people to be, become obsessed with what it is you want to achieve. I mean, be obsessive about it. You're going to, you're going to apply the energy that's required. If your behavior doesn't constitute the same as what's required there, change your behavior. <laughs> You've got to change your behavior in order to make that work. But you can still be true to yourself, you know? But you've got to do something about this energy in order to make that where you want to go. Otherwise, there's another thing here. You'll get what you accept. Have we heard that before? Absolutely. Don't accept. You'll get what you accept. Don't accept it. Change it and do something about it moving forward. Absolutely. And I think this is a really profound. Um, for those on YouTube, you'll see two different quotes from phenomenal leaders and very successful businessmen. But for those um, listening on the podcast, I'll just read this one out. Um, Elon Musk, I'm sure, a name that everyone's heard of a lot, increasing day by day, and of course, the CEO of Tesla. Um, a great quote. Um, when you think about what he is and the business he has, 
with regards to machinery, production, etc. The biggest profound thing that I feel he said was, it turns out human beings are underrated. That's a brilliant quote, that, isn't it? I mean, when I seen this, I did some research on this before. I was doing a presentation on this in Nice uh, a a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago. And uh, it was an Anometrics uh, conference. And I did some research on this one. And and when I I seen this, I went, oh, my God, captures everything I want to do with regards to the Anometrics side. And thank God that an automated... Um, you know, intel- intelligent form of beings are going to get computers and robots doing things, and they're saying it turns out that human beings are not underrated. They're, they really can do a lot of good for the, the business, thank God, um, that that's there, and get a load of this. Soft skills and making decisions are absolutely paramount for what they're going to do to make it to make it work. And they need to make the decisions, they need to be wrong. I love the thing here that they, they take time and they need to take risk here. Um, on letting individuals have the freedom in order to excel to make it better, to make the service better, to make this, the, the product better, to make the experience better. That's got to happen within that there, within the confines. Um, and that's just one area of saying that, you know, thank God, listen, automation um, expectations have failed because of there's not been enough human interaction with regards to making sure that it's going to be tested and tried in a way that we want to have that connection. I mean, Amazon is probably one of the biggest um, automations you've got online, but get a load of this. If you want a human being on their complaints department, you can get it. If you want a human being on talking to someone, you can get it. But everything else so well done, you know? But if you need that contact, they're recognising you must have that there for the person in terms of their, their customer experience. If it's completely automated, as a human being, you might find that a little bit, I don't, I don't like that. And that was some of the things that he recognised for the business going forward, which was great, you know. Absolutely. And, and I think it's an important thing to say here for all that are going to follow our social media channels. There's going to be a lot of things coming out. And one of the things that came to mind as you're speaking about this is when you were invited to be a keynote speaker um, in Malaysia, I, I think it was the, the workplace management conference there. Yeah. And the question was posed to you with regards to the fear almost that a lot of people have around AI, robots, and people, etc. And there's a fascinating video and clip from that speech that you gave. I remember with that. regards to, yeah, to just how important people are. And actually going back to what Elon said, how underrated human beings actually are. Well, in actual fact, Amazon, they, they increased their, their Cavi robots by thousands, hundreds of thousands. And they thought that would take the workforce that they had down, but it did the opposite. It doubled it, tripled it. So the actual workforce jobs increased as a consequence of the automation, which was great. But it meant a lot of reskilling. People had to reskill and do different skills for the jobs which was great because it's in learning and they're keeping up to speed of this new world, this new normal, you know? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and if we, as we're going to go into behavior now, I think um, for those on YouTube, et cetera, that we'll see the thing that we're really looking to explore is, you know, what really drives performance and how all performance is generating between the ears and looking at it through three natural networks of the brain, going back to the what, the why, and the how which are all things that we're able to measure for people and to raise awareness of so that authenticity is possible. So just again, um, we're looking at when it comes to the how, an individual's natural and adapted behaviors. The why is looking at the motivation, the drive and the values for an individual, and the what, looking at the thinking styles, 
and decision-making styles of individuals.